a very, a very, very interesting journey and very, very exciting. And so as I found, as I God has begun to open the doors to be able to share some of the things that He has downloaded to my spirit man and being able to mandate the body of Christ to walk in them, I became very, very excited to see the changes that started to take place in the lives of people. And so when the pastor asked me if I'd come and speak today, I kind of, I had some ideas of where, you know, it's amazing you get ideas of where you want to go. And so I've got some ideas of where I want to go this morning with you folks and just to perhaps give you some information that would be very, very helpful for you, for your spirit life with God. For me, one of the most important things that I think I've developed in my own life is the covenantal relationship with the presence of God. And for us to begin to experience who we are mandated to be as believers, we need to understand and realize who we are. Because as I said in the conference over the weekend, many of us don't actually realize who we are. We, we have no idea of the very fiber of the DNA that we carry inside of us that God in Jesus Christ has put into us. What it means to carry that, this power that is associated with that, that is just one small part of the identity as a believer we're supposed to have. And so as we've, as, we, as I've kind of journeyed through some of these things, I want to share with you one of my little journeys with the presence of God as, as we go through the Word today. It's very, very important for us to understand covenant. Because the, the only similarity we have in covenant today is marriage. But even that, even that has been broken so much, it actually means very little to the Western, Western world. Marriage means very little to most people in the Western world. To me, I've been married for 26 years. And Angus, I think 32 years. I don't know how many of you guys have been married. Whatever. But for many people in the world, the covenant of marriage means very little to them. And so the average person gets married um, every, every one in three persons has been married twice. One in five people have been married three times. One in 17 people have been married four times and more. And so you have this massive swirl of stuff in the world that breaks everything that God wants to establish. And so I want to talk about today the covenant of adoption. One of the key things for me as a believer is to understand who I am and what I have in me. And what it symbolizes for me as a son to walk in the aspects of that of those parameters. Not only that, but to come into the full inheritance that is my right to go and possess. And many of us have this thing with God as a sovereignty. God is sovereign, but God wants you to possess your inheritance. He's given it to us, but often we don't understand what there is for us there because we don't go and get it. And so I want, to, want to, I, would say I want to give you some information and walk your way through some scriptures that would be helpful for you that, that we can then lay some foundation of where we want to go. Hallelujah. Glasses. Praise God. You know, I don't understand this getting old business. The Bible says I'm going to live forever, so you know how it is. One day I'll never need these again. Hallelujah. Let's um, go into 1 Peter 1.18. There's something like Hebrew, James, Peter, John, Jude. Revelation is my food. 1 Peter 1.18 says this, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, that 
but you was but was manifested in these last days for you. Jesus, the Lamb, was preordained and foreordained before the foundation of the world to do one thing to purchase you into an inheritance. That purchase of the inheritance was made by the blood of by the blood of his son. That blood is very, very important for us to stand, understand it over the weekend. I've talked about that. Get some of the CDs from the other pastor. I'm not going to go into that. But you've got to understand what he purchased you into. He didn't just purchase you so that you could fly away into heaven and everything will be fine. He purchased you so that you would overcome. And then when you overcome, you would restore. God wants us to do a job. And it's not just for us to, to make us feel good. The job is to transform everything that is around us. But for us to transform everything that is around us, we've got to understand what power resides in us and what His desire is for us to transform. And for us to get a grip through that power that's in us, you've got to understand the covenant of adoption. That covenant was made with the blood. Now you've got to understand something. In the Roman court, there were seven testators, like if a, if a, if a judge or a king in, in the king's court wanted to um, adopt a child, what would happen is that the king would stand in the court and declare, this is my child who I want to adopt. What would happen is the, the judge would then bring two parchments of paper. One parchment would have the record of the life of the person all they'd done, who they were, where they were born, what they'd done, whatever bit of information that could ever be recorded of their life was recorded on a scroll. He'd have a blank scroll here with a new name written on it. This new name could not come into being until the old name had been redeemed. And what would happen on the new name is there were seven testators that would have to testify to the covenant of adoption. And so you'd have, the, and what would happen is the, the, the judge would say, do you receive this man, da, 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 from this family name, da, 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 into this family name here? And the king would say, yes, I do. Then what they would do is they would take a damp rag and they would wipe the old scroll. In those days, you never had acid in the ink. And so you used to wipe the old scroll away like that. Now, here's the issue. Once the information had been wiped away, as far as they were concerned, you ceased to exist under that name. And then what happens is the, the, the seven testators would come along and they would sign the new page testifying that not only would they be part in the training of the son, but they would testify that once the son is in his fullness, that they would release him to become a prince. And so from that point onwards, a covenant was made with a new name. And so you and I have been given a new name. And so there is two things that we need to get right in our head. One is the spirit of adoption. And the other one is the covenant of adoption. Let's just get some scriptures here for you. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians 3 says this, 29. But if you be, be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
An heir is someone who has been adopted into a family that becomes an heir to everything that the father is able to provide for him. Let's just read another scripture here. Um, Colossians twelve, uh, sorry, Colossians two fourteen. It says this. This is about the blood. Remember, I talked about about the blood blotting out the old pattern. Blotting. This is what the word says. Colossians two fourteen. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Colossians 1.13 talks about us being translated into the image of his son. God wants to translate us and release the full potential of what he has put in us through a covenant form to be released into the earth around us. And we're going on a bit of a journey in Scripture, but you just, I just want to do this so you get your, your mind and head around that this is in the Bible. Romans 8.14. It says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption is the person's life when you ask Jesus into your life. When you receive, man, when you receive Jesus Christ. I didn't see that. Can I move that back? I don't want want to trip over it. When you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you receive this thing called the spirit of adoption. Whereby you cry, Abba, Father. What that gives us a mandate to do is to begin to call God Father. When we receive Jesus Christ in our lives, we get the mandate from God to call God Father. Because we're able to call Him Father, that means that we carry His seed. It means we carry His desire. We carry His mandate in our lives. God wants us to transform everything that is around us by the seed of that spirit that now lives in us. The spirit of adoption declares that I am a son of God. It gives us the right to to call God our Father. We have a life-giving force in us to see the reality of the proclamation, I am a son of God. Many, many believers today do not even say that out of their mouth. I am a son of God. I want you to say it. I am a son of God. Because you see, as your mind thinks, so man is. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Until you begin to speak some of these things, you cannot even think about them because of the process that's needed to change inside of your spirit man. You've got to see who you are. You have a father that has the most majestic power source available to you. He has the whole kingdom he wants to give you. And yet we sit here and we say, I am a son of God. We don't understand who we are. If you knew what was dwelling in here, you'd be, 
I am a son of God. And what it means to live in that arena of the kingdom. We have tremendous authority and power when you understand the spirit of adoption. The covenant of adoption is very, the covenant of adoption, as I said, is different than the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption is the availability of who you are when you begin to receive a new seed line inside of your life. I'm talking about the DNA of God. When you receive the spirit of adoption, you receive a new seed line and you get a different name. The covenant of adoption is the outworking of that new name in and around your life. And in Galatians 4.1, it says this, that a heir is no greater than a servant that is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the Father. And you and I are under seven tutors and seven governors until the appointed time. They are known as the seven spirits of God found in Isaiah 11. These seven spirits of God are the tutors and governors of our life that teach us about the realm of heaven, about the realm of the kingdom and what's available to us and how to express that in the right way into the world around us. I don't want to go and do a massive teaching on the seven spirits of God, but I'll go through a little bit of them for you to give you a bit of idea what they are. The spirit of adoption in the, in the word there in, in, in Romans 14, the word spirit comes from a Greek word and it means breath. When you go back into the original Hebrew of the word breath, it actually means a life-giving force where there's worship as an open door that stretches the boundaries of the pig tents. Which means God comes and tabernacles over your life. And as you worship, He tabernacles over your life and stretches the boundary of your government. Which is totally different than the way we've just said it's just the breath. You see, the breath of God holds the life of God in it. And when God comes and breathes onto the seed that is inside you, when He tabernacles over your life, He changes who you are. And, the, and you get revealed to the world. And so God wants this thing in, in us to be changed. Wind is a really an amazing... I don't know whether any of you have ever really looked at wind. Has anybody ever looked at wind? I've tried to look at it. Wind. You know, as in... So, wind. Wind. <laughs> So wind. Try to look at wind. <laughs> yeah, translation, yeah. Wind is an amazing thing. You can't physically see it. But you can see the results of what it does. When the Bible talks about the spirit of adoption, you can't physically see it, but you begin to see the results of what it's done. And that is a major key when you receive the understanding of the covenant of adoption. Now, the covenant of adoption gives you legal right. And I want to talk about this. You've got to understand there's pro- everything in heaven, there is protocol. For everything related to the kingdom realm of heaven, there is protocols. When you are a child, protocols do not exist. A protocol for a child, for me, like if I'm at my work, and by the way, I'm not a pastor, I'm a businessman, I employ 32 staff, and I do this in my part-time. And so protocol, when I'm at work, when my children were young, they would run up to me, daddy, 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 and I'd pick them up. It wouldn't matter who was around. It wouldn't matter what was going on, whether it was a board meeting, whether it was ever. When they went, daddy, daddy, that means I had, they had a right to, for me to pick them up. And so I would treat them as such. But when my children have got older, when they come into work, they treat me with respect because they've grown in maturity and they, they create protocol as thing. So they knock on my office door and ask if I can come in if they're interrupting. Can you see the difference in this? 
And so God wants us to understand protocol because everything around the spirit world is about protocol, particularly when you start to mature in some of the things of God. Everything is about the system of protocol in the realms of heaven. And when you understand the system of the covenant of adoption that gives us the right protocol to come into heaven, then you can begin to understand the dimension of government and authority that God has given us as his heirs to inherit. God has given us a kingdom to inherit that has many protocols inside it. And the covenant of adoption is is one of the protocols that gives us the ability to approach God as not only as our father, but as the Lord and as the king. And so I want, to, I want to just talk about this covenant. The covenant of adoption is the statement to the spirit world that royal blood flows here now. It's a statement to the demonic world and to the angelic world that here now lives a son. So what does it look like? Well, the first one, the first thing that it releases in our lives is authority. Authority mandates you to do a, a certain job. Um, I need to read this. To understand, we, we, to understand the realm of the protocol of heaven, we've got to understand authority. As a son, you've got to be taught how to submit to authority. You've got to, taught, you've got to be taught as a son in the realms of the kingdom through the covenantal right we have to approach him the realms of authority that we can go through to actually come into becoming one trained like him. Paul makes this amazing statement. Do you not know that you are all gods? And the the modern church has thrown that away saying, I can't be like God or I don't want to be God and I don't want to be God, but I want to be like him. If I'm going to be like him, I'm going to be like a little God. And I'm not saying, you know, I want you to hear my heart on this. If I'm carrying his reflection, then I'm going to be like him. If I'm going to be known as a God-like one. Can, can you see this? And so the Western culture, the Holy Spirit, the Greek culture <laughs> has taken this issue of becoming a God-like one and has told the, and the demonic world has told the church, you will never ever begin to look like him. You will never ever be like him. You will never ever be able to attain to become one that the Father can say, there is my son. And so we've rejected the protocols. And so authority is very, very important for us in what we do. Authority is mandated and given to you by a submitted life. In the places of your yieldedness to God, you submit to Him. The next one that is displayed is power. So you have authority and power. A power, whereas authority is mandate, power is the ability. With the power that God talks about, God imputes it into you. What I mean by that is He pushes it into your life when you, when you begin to go through the correct protocol of approaching to heaven, into the realm of the kingdom. We can go in there as children, but when you get mature, there is a pathway you go in. And when you receive the authority, you, think in the, you, you can then receive the power. Now, the power gives you the ability to do things. God, I mean, I don't give my children the keys to my Lamborghini. In my fantasy. I mean, sorry, whatever. <laughs> or to my fiery chariot. You know, I don't give them the keys to my fiery chariot because they haven't learned how to ride the heavens with me yet. But once they've learned how to ride the heavens with me, I can then give them the keys to my fiery chariot and they'll go for a ride themselves. And they have done that. 
But until I've taken them and showed them how to walk with God and walk in the realms of the kingdom and begin to learn what it is to, uh, to operate and to begin to function in some of these things, I don't just say, go and jump on one and go for a ride. I take them. You've got to be taught. Power has got to be taught. Because with great power comes great responsibility. Being a king and a godlike one, there is great responsibility given to you and I that we need to learn how to exercise in the earth and in the atmosphere and in the celestial arena and in the stars. You cannot have power unless you are in a position to exercise it. Through the covenant, God had God imputes and has put in us position. When we receive the covenant of adoption, God puts in us position. The position is a throne, a place of the government of heaven in your life. You are a mountain. You are a mountain. On top of every mountain, there is a seat of government. You cannot inherit that government and that seat until you learn about authority and power. Well, what happens, as I say, you give a, you, you know, we have these things, taser guns. Have you ever seen those? When you're a kid, you want to taser everything. When you're an adult, you realize the pain it causes, particularly when you touch it. So you don't go tick, 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 grab hold of the end of it and go, <laughs> why? Because you've learned the process. And it's like that in heaven. You've got to learn the process. The next one that happens is dominion. So authority is mandated. Power is the ability. Dominion is about position. To exercise power and authority over a realm, you need a place of dominion to to exercise it from. God has given us dominion over all the works of the enemy, over all the earth and all that he created in this arena. In Proverbs 6, 7, and 8, it says this, one of the the scriptures, I think it's Proverbs 7, says this, I, the spirit of wisdom, was with him when he set his compass and he formed the heavens. What that means is this, when you go into Hebrew, in the middle of that circle, he formed every galaxy that you can see with the Hubble telescope is situated in that circle. The furthest they've gone is 450,000 light years from here, traveling at 172,000 292 miles per second for that many thousands of years. They still didn't come to the end because they were so full of galaxies, estimated 4,800 billion galaxies, not stars. One galaxy has 400 billion stars in it. God set that in that little circle. And gave it to Adam and said, govern it. You'll learn to govern it from the earth. Subdue the earth first and you'll inherit the rest. And Adam gave it away. Why do you think there's dark matter in space? Dark matter is no such thing as dark. Dark is described as the absence of light. We've got to fill space. I'm trying to get your brain to think how big you are. Have you ever wondered what it's going to be like to fill a black hole in the middle of a galaxy? That's where one of your thrones are. If you don't want them, I'll have them. I'm quite happy to have your inheritance. 
You know, I can be a Jacob, no problem at all. The problem is, inside of us, we do not believe that we can become this thing that God has called us as sons. Have you ever wondered why it's really called a son? Because of the light and the glory. Oh, Holy Spirit. Many of you guys are nodding at me. And it's really wonderful to see the brain fuzz. Hallelujah. The next thing that happens is might. Might is the strength of God. And its role is to display you. What gives us the strength or the might is the relationship you have with God as a friend and as a father. When you develop a relationship with Him, you get strength and confidence knowing that when you say something, He is going to be right there saying it with you. People have said to me, Oh, and I hate this religious demon, you know. Oh, I was praying for somebody out and God was casting a demon out and God was healing the sick and God was doing this. Excuse me? Didn't Jesus say, you go and I'll be with you? So when the sick are being healed, you're healing the sick. When you're casting out a demon, you're casting out the demon. God is with you in it. He's not doing it. You are. Hallelujah. Because it's your spirit mandated with might by the power of God doing the works of God to bring dominion into the atmosphere you live in. You're doing it. When you come up against a dragon, you deal with it. God doesn't come in and go and top it all up and stick its head and cut its throat and slit its belly and take the scrolls out of it. You do it. Hallelujah. I tell you, it's nice, it's fun to get into the role once you understand who you are. To take back the thrones of the government in the celestial arena. It is the most amazing fun you can ever have in your life. It's a great feeling to have some payback after all the years of struggle to finally get you, your, your arm around the head of a dragon and pull its head back and stick your sword into the middle of its throat. It's the most amazing feeling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the church has done an amazing job of classifying what's in the atmosphere of the earth. We've called them territorial spirits and whatever, and that's a great thing, but the Word does say every need about things in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. We haven't dealt with the things in the earth yet or what's above the atmosphere of the earth. We've got to learn how to deal with those things that control the thrones up there. Not just the influence that is governed around the atmosphere of the earth. And the only way to go there, only way to get those is to go there. And the way to deal with them is to go visit. And when you go visit, you turn up not like a human body. You turn up in a a magistrated, glorified spirit being in the presence of darkness, bringing light into darkness. Striking terror into the heart of the kingdom that is in darkness. And it's wonderful fun. Hallelujah. The next thing that, that, that will be displayed through the covenant of adoption is favor. Divine favor. 
So wherever you turn in the realm of the, of the celestial arena, there is divine favor. Divine favor means this, that the rod of God is with you. You've got to understand what the rod of God is for you to get an idea of this. In Psalms, they, um, David was singing, you know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall feel, fear no evil for your rod and your staff that comfort me. I asked this question one day, where is the valley of the shadow of death? The valley of the shadow of death, which is a, a shadow. Got to remember, a shadow is a reflection of a condition of, an, of a being. Well, the shadow of the valley of death is actually in the kingdom that is in darkness. And here is David saying, Yea, though I walk through that valley where the kingdom of darkness is manifested, the rod of God comforts me. A rod is an amazing thing. It's a weapon of war. It's a weapon of government. It's a weapon of authority. It's a weapon of power. And it's a weapon of might. And so if you want armory, you've got to go and get hold of the rod. But here is the most interesting thing. A rod isn't only made for darkness. It's also made for a king, a scepter to rule on his throne with. And so unless you learn how to use the rod of God, don't expect to take up the thrones of God. Five past twelve. The Lord's Prayer is an amazing prayer. And I'm gonna read the I'm just gonna get through some stuff quickly here and then you can you know you can go and gurgitate over it and be like a sheep sitting in the sun with a funny look in its eyes. Hallelujah. The Lord's Prayer says this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, I'm going to re-paraphrase this in the NIV. The NIV is a new Ian version. <laughs> Paraphrase, Our Father, who we are, which art in heaven, our position. Hallowed be your name, what name we represent. Your kingdom come, what is displayed, you will be done how it is displayed. The whole of the Lord's Prayer is all about the manifestation of you as a son to the earth, revealing his nature and his kingdom. Every single little statement he makes is about positional dominion, authority, power, might, and the revealing of that to the world around us. The name we carry is very important for us to understand. When you receive the covenant of adoption, you receive a new name. Remember, the spirit of adoption gives you the ability to become something. The covenant of adoption, you get a new name. In heaven, your name is no longer Joe Bloggs or whatever your name. I mean, I can't remember your name. What, what you know, Susie Matwetwe. Hello, there's no one here like that. Whatever your name is in the earth, the moment you begin to graft and get hold of the covenant of adoption for yourself, you receive a new name. For you to understand the impact of that name, you've got to understand what his name means. And so I'm going to read you some of the scriptures and give you what your name means. The name that you receive when you receive the covenant of adoption out of heaven, you receive this by imputation of the Spirit of God into your life. These names are found. The first one is in Jeremiah 23, verse 6. Jehovah Teneskinu, which means Jehovah our righteousness. Next one is found in Exodus 31.13. Get the tape. Exodus 31.13. Jehovah who sanctifies. Jehovah Imkadesh. 
The next one is found in Jude 6.24. Jehovah is our peace. Jehovah Shalom. Another one is found in Ezekiel 48 verse 35. Jehovah is there. Jehovah Shema. Exodus 15.26. Jehovah who heals. Jehovah Rapha. Genesis 22.14 is another one. Jehovah my provider. Jehovah Jireh. Exodus 17 verse 15. Jehovah my banner. Jehovah Nissi. Psalm 23 verse 1. Jehovah my shepherd. Jehovah Roah. When you receive the names of God, you receive the full provision of every single one of those mandates in His name. You carry that power inside of your life to reveal it to the world that is around you and to display it as a son. He gets His name and He writes it all over your life in the spirit world so that when the spirit world looks at you, they see the banner, they see the presence, they see the fullness, they see the glory, they see the name written over you. That is the new name that we are given. The Bible talks about the new name that is written inside your forehead. Your new name is Jehovah, whatever your supply is needed. It's written inside of you. The covenant of adoption writes our new name. It writes our new name in the spirit world. The spirit world sees our new name. And we receive it. You must receive it by faith. The covenant of adoption is received by faith because Jesus said that's the way it's going to be. You receive it by faith. And once you occupy and have it inside of your life, it will be displayed in these names. Jehovah, who is there. Have you ever wondered what it's like to just be? That's why God said, when Moses said, who do I say he said to me? I am. Man, just be. Whoa. Jehovah the banner. What does it mean to have the banner of the glory of God flying over your life? It says, anyone touches him, I'm going to touch them. That's why you've got to be very careful about what you say about people in the body of Christ. <sighs> I, I can go on about all these. Oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not going to. But you need to get the tape. Get those names. Read them out. Meditate around them. Allow your spirit man to cogitate over what they mean to have the fullness of that manifesting in your life. Jehovah who heals, not just for physical healing. Jehovah who heals the DNA structure of your body and changes it back to how it should have been before Adam fell. That's what it's all about. Not just so you can lay hands on the sick. That's one of the gifts of the spirit. Jehovah who heals is a God who heals your body, soul, and spirit and gives you a different DNA. Healing the broken part of my DNA. Transforming me from one kingdom into another. With a different DNA. When we hallow the name of God in our lives, we become His expression of His provision into the world around us. The name reveals the nature, the character, the personality, and the purpose of the one you represent. Oh, Holy Ghost. 
The seven spirits of God. I do a teaching on that. You can go on my website and get it. I'm not going to go through them all. But the seven spirits of God testate to the covenants that God makes with, his, with, every, with everything. Every time God makes a covenant, the seven spirits of God testate to it. You find right back in, when the earth was flooded, it says the rainbow appeared in the sky. And the rainbow was the covenant to mean that God would never do this again. And the seven colors are also the seven spirits of God, the seven candlesticks, the seven lampstands, the seven fires that burn before the throne. The seven spirits of God are not the Holy Spirit. God is the Holy Spirit. God sits on the throne. The seven spirits of God dwell before the throne. Paul makes this amazing statement, you know, to the church of Ephesus, I bring you greetings, you know, from this. And he said, and from, the, from, the, from the Father, from the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the seven spirits of God. Paul already had a relationship with him. That's why he could display and, be, and do what he did because he had their mandate on, the, on his life. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. He wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is the first one of the spirits of God that brings the government of God in full display. Jesus manifested the fullness of the government of heaven on his life. Mandated by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. We've got to learn what it is to communicate with those seven spirits and allow them to mentor us. Galatians 4 verse 1 talks about the, the um, he, he, though you be an heir, you're no, long, you're no greater than a servant, but are under tutors and governors. The tutors and governors are the seven spirits of God sent to tutor us in the realms of heaven, sent to bring government around our life to teach us what it is about the protocols of heaven. The only way you're going to go into that arena properly is to be, to be taught protocol. An Old Testament example of this was when Queen Esther, when Esther went to get married, it says there that she was given seven choice maidens of the household of the king. Those seven choice maidens were given to her to train her about the protocols of the court of the king. So that when she appeared there, she knew the protocols. And that's what the seven spirits of God do. They teach us about the protocols of heaven. They're, they're, they're most amazing. There's three of them are female, apparently, or have the appearance of female in gender, spirit of wisdom, counsel, and understanding. Then you have might, the spirit of the Lord, the um, fear of the Lord, and knowledge. All have a male gender. The spirit of knowledge is really funny. You know, it's, it's an amazing. You've got to learn to relate with them. Most of the church has no idea they even exist, alone that you can speak to them. I can remember being in a, in, in a church, and I said, you know, this morning I had an encounter with the Spirit of Knowledge, and I talked to them over a whole lot of stuff, and the, the church just closed off. <sighs> because of the religious thing, how can you talk to another being? Well, there are sentient beings out there that God has put in place for us to relate to, including angels, and we don't even do that. Let alone the creatures. Hallelujah. We can talk. Romans 8.14, those who are led by, the, led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. The whole issue of covenant is to make you a son. So what does, it, what does the covenant of adoption produce? Sonship. We carry His name. We carry His mantle. We carry His reflection. We reflect what we see. And you speak the things of God into being around you. You know, there's a lovely little scripture that says something like this. You who are the Lord's remembrances, give him no rest. When you are mandated to understand the protocols of heaven, you can go right into around the glory of the realm of the throne of God and say, Father, let us come and reason together about this issue. 
Father, you know what's going on down the earth around there. Dad, come and speak with me. Because it gives you a right to go in and speak with him. Because you understand the protocol of approach in heaven. Once you understand who you are, the mandate that God's given us to become sons, you then as a son have the right to go and seek his counsel on issues and to understand why he's doing something so that you can learn what it is to rule the same way as he does. It's all about relationship. So how do I graft this into my life? Number one, we've got to spend time meditating around the truth of it. Number two, we've got to declare it. Father, I thank you that I have received the spirit of adoption, whereby I cry, Abba, Father, but Lord, beyond that, I thank you that I have received that covenant of adoption grafted into your name and all that you stand for. You've got to speak it into being and receive it out of the kingdom realm. You've got to dream about it. You've got to allow yourself to dream what it is like to carry that name and bear the name of the protocols of heaven. You've got to dream about it. Allow your mind and heart to be captivated with the stuff instead of watching TV, instead of reading stupid magazines, whatever you, whatever you do, whatever your addiction is, turn it to allow your mind to be captivated by this and your life will change. Another one is you've got to make correct choices about the things that you do, the things that you participate in, the things you actively and do around your life. Another one is then you've got to actually keep short accounts for those things. You keep short accounts with the presence of God in every daily asset of your life. You are an asset to heaven. You're an asset to heaven. And we need, we need to be able to build the stuff around our lives so we can come into who we are and God can express himself through us as his sons. I am looking forward to the day, not when Jesus was baptized, but when he was glorified. Two different statements. The Father, it says there that when Jesus was baptized, it says that when he came out of the water, the heavens opened and a voice said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The mandate of God to become and be trained to come into the fullness. When Jesus was um, transfigured on the mountain, it says the heavens opened, the cloud came around and the voice said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. That's a totally different statement. The first one was, here is my son. He's now going to go to maturity. This one here now, the second one is, here's my son. When he's speaking, I'm speaking. When he's saying, I'm saying. When he's doing, I'm doing. He's got the power of eternity and he's been trained how to occupy the realms of heaven and walk with me. And I'm looking forward to that day when God's going to come and say that to his church. This is my beloved bride in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye them. Amen. Thank you. They haven't learned how to turn one on yet. <laughs> and we've been building a foundation to learn about such things. We've been building a foundation of, uh, of about the kingdom, of, about some of the things that is understood in the kingdom. But there, we need teachers that take us to places that we don't know and we don't understand. So I, I really appreciate Ian and what he's bringing to us. And I, I'm really looking forward to learn more and more from you so we can go farther and farther. Because well, I really believe fully what he says, that, we, that we're called to be so much more than what we have even a clue of, that we're called to be sons. And that really, we are sons, 
and the authority that goes along with it that we've not been able to touch. Some of you may think, you know, wow, this is really different. And he, he didn't scratch the surface for us of where he wants to take us, but it's really different because we've been taught traditionally things from, from church. But we all know the church has not done anything. It's had no power for a long time. So if we continue to do the same old, same old, we're going to be the same as the other church is. You know, I, what my wife often says to me, what's the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. That is insanity. And I think well, the church as a whole, and us included, have walked down that line. I believe we're a more mature, mature church than most churches around. But we're such infants, me included. But I'm anxious to go forward to see what God's going to bring. And step by step, and as we see it, God reveals and confirms things in our heart, then take the next step. Because it's wise that God doesn't put guns in babies' hands, as you talked about it ago. And that's why I wanted them to take it easy on us, because we'd shoot each other with it. <laughs> we really would. I saw it the other night. <laughs> but, you know... Where God wants to take us is exciting, and I'm very, very excited. Now, we're going to do another offering. This one's for Ian. Uh, you don't have an association, do you? We, but make it out the break point, break point and put in the memo uh, for Ian, and we're going to give a special offering to him because we want to bless him. We very much thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. It's a really, he had other plans for today, and God kind of opened up the doors. He's been doing that a lot with us. So... Um, so I'll make it out the break point, and they're going to pass it right now. And anything else you want to say? Um, oh, today, uh, after church at uh, 1.30, we have Viewpoint. So I, whether you signed up or not, if you want to sign up, Viewpoint is an opportunity to get a prophetic word of what God's going on in your life. You may have a block in your life. You may have something in front of you. We can be able to speak what's going on and help you go on through it. The purpose of it is not only to receive a word, it's but to help you walk out that word. So uh, that's at 1.30. There's a sign-up in the back for that if you want to join us for that. So I'm going to give a prayer, and you're released to go, and can worship if you want. So thank you, Father, for what you brought for us today. I, I, we honor you and everything and whoever we are. And as we come into our understanding of who we've been called to be, Lord, we give it all back to you. Just as the elders before the throne, when they receive their crowns, they laid them down before you. We lay them down before you, and we honor you, and we worship you. We worship your holy name. We thank you for being with us today, and thank you for the word, and we thank you for the worship. And I thank you for the ministry that you're going to do at 1.30 today and now. So we thank you, we love you, and honor you. 